danger pay. Danger pay. Danger pay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like the, the world's lamest, like a, the world's coolest accountant. My name is Danger. Danger pay. Danger what? Pay. Oh, got it. My name's pay. Kind of swallowed that last Danger part. pay. I guess he's got an accent now. Yeah, so I don't know what his accent is, but he's got one. I'm not sure what it is either. Yeah, it switched midway through. It did. I'm not good with accents. Went from like a faux British to a faux Australian. Is that what it was? I felt like it, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like, is that what it Australia was? Australia was sort of a colony. Maybe a little bit of Pennsylvania Dutch mixed in there. Uh, I don't really know the Pennsylvania Dutch. Yeah. A touch of Mandarin. English. Just a hint of Mandarin. No, there's no Mandarin. Yeah. There's no Mandarin. And welcome to another episode of Even More Mashed Up, the pop culture podcast brought to you by Misericordia University, featuring two professors talking about all things pop culture. I am Patrick. And I'm Alan. Are you guys ready to go downtown today? Was that it? Yeah, we're doing Downtown Abbey, right? You mean Downton? Yes, Downton. Are you ready to go Downton? We're not doing Downton Abbey. That's oh. what I saw this weekend. You saw Joker. I saw Joker, too, but I okay. prefer to talk about Downton Abbey. No. I, I almost yeah, walked sadly, I, I saw I Downton on the way there. I was like, sadly, I did Joker. not see Downton. Rich did not go downtown because it turns out he's afraid of Wilkes-Barre. <laughs> well, terrified. it's so much like New York. And the, and the parking situation. Well, yeah. based on Joker, it's a terrifying place to be. Yes, because Joker is set in Wilkes-Barre. Yes. No, New York. Well, Gotham. Actually, it's set in Gotham. Yeah, yeah Gotham. okay, Gotham is New York. No, Gotham is Gotham. I don't think so. Uh, in the DC universe, there is a New York and there is a Gotham, so Gotham is clearly not New York. Where's Gotham located? It's sort of right York. next to Metropolis. <laughs> I can tell you. No, I can tell you what Gotham is. It's right across the river from Metropolis. He knows that from Batman versus Superman. Yep. Which is canon, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm not sure it's canon. It's classic. <laughs> that movie. Yeah. Oh, oh I've got, I've got, I've got that movie in my notes. We might. I, be. I wish we were talking about that movie today. Yeah, I'm there. There's at least one moment that I'm on the fence as to whether it's stupider than the Martha moment in Joker. Interesting. There's at least one moment that I'm like, yeah, that feels just as that feels just as if Phillips thinks he's as smart as Zack Snyder with the Martha moment. Oh, I think I think but it's just as stupid. I think that the problem with that is that Phillips thinks he has a real social consciousness and that Zack Snyder doesn't care. <laughs> like, yes. Right? Like, Zack Snyder's like, I don't have one and I don't care. Yeah, no, Zack Snyder's not trying Phillips to make anything like, but, but big blow-up movie. I think I have one. Yeah. And I think it's really smart. Yeah. But it's not really. Yeah, no, my issue, I would say to sum up my issue with Joker is that. Yes. Where it does things intentionally, yeah. I think it is very, very flawed. And there might be some moments where it has some insight, but I don't think those are intentional. Yeah. Yes, I think. I think um, that's that's kind of it's a movie I, that is not, it is a movie that is not as smart as it thinks it is. It is in many ways symbolic of the era in which we live. Yes, not in as a lot smart of as we think we are. Yes. But also in other ways, too. Yeah. There's, there's some ways yes. that I see it resonating with <laughs> Not today. as smart as we think. Quite. I do have— Even more mashed up. I started my notes with the easy stuff. Mm. I have the good. Mm. You know what I started my notes What's off that? with? Numbers! Oh, no. I guess we've got to start with numbers. Oh, okay. we haven't done numbers in so long. 
Would you like to know where it's it so ranks? Nice. I've been doing numbers all along, but he hasn't. It paid feels like the numbers never numbers left. only count when somebody does them. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, so where do you think it ranks among comic book adaptations according to the box office mojo? Oh, I thought it was going to be clown movies for a minute, which is what I'd really like. Oh, you know what? They didn't have that as a category. You know what? Wow, I'm going like, to go. Like, hang on. I'm going to look it up. They don't have like. No, they have. They have the one category they had was controversy. But right Lame. now, Joker's third. Well, and that's we, it's the third most. Wait, the other films that Successful had some kind of controversy film. about them, yes. That seems like a very amorphous kind of category. It is. I mean, the 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 movie that's in number one totally makes sense. Yeah, which is um, don't you, don't you Last Temptation of Christ. Close. Really? Yeah. So it's Passion really, of the Christ. Oh, Passion. Oh, duh. That's, what, you, that's actually yeah, what like I that, meant. Yeah. What did you call Passion it? Of the Christ. The last yeah. didn't I? Last, because Passion was the Mel Gibson. Yes, that's the Mel yeah, Gibson. Wait, yes. What did you yeah. say, though? Last Temptation, which is a movie. Oh, oh okay. It was also very controversial Controversial yeah. when it came out. Then Mel Gibson yeah. was like, uh, hold my coffee, please. Yeah, yeah he's like, <laughs> like yeah, well, I, 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 well, I doubled down. Yeah, I think, I think that was oh, just... Oh, you think my movie's controversial. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Here's my drunk driving arrest. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's number I one. I am controversy. <laughs> Last I saw, number two, I think, was Da Vinci Code, because the Catholics didn't like it. No. Oh. <laughs> I thought it was controversial because it was stupid. <laughs> no. no. Well, that was the book. And then Joker, and then I think somewhere on the list was like Day After Tomorrow because the controversy, because they identify what the controversy yeah. is climate change. Wow. No, I'm like, that says something about the world in which we live right yeah, I was there. Like, I don't too. remember it being that controversial. Holy. Well, they might also be reaching it by that point. I heard on the local radio that like 50 scientists signed us a letter saying that. Climate change wasn't real. So. Oh, okay. Was it scientists or scientists? Well, it was on the radio. It was hard to tell whether yeah. there was those quotation marks yeah. or not. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, where what do you was your question? Ranks, I totally where does it lost. rank among comic book adaptations for its first week? Uh, for or like where it for is right all now? Time? Yeah, so far. Gosh, I would think it would be pretty far down on the list. Actually, I think it's going to be at middle. Twenty fifth. I'm going to say twelve. That's your middle is 12. So you think there are a total of 25 comic book <laughs> movies that have been made all time. There's been 25 made this I'm not numbers. There's 22 Marvel films, for crying out loud. I'm not numbers. That's your job. It's not like I even said 25 is like the bottom of the list. Yeah. I just don't think that it would be like because you're I'm sticking about, with like, twelve. All of the event, like all of the Marvel films, have made more money. Yeah, but this is all. This is talking about like going back to like including Superman in the seventies, like all of that. Well, like, twenty five is too high then. Oh yeah, it's way too high. So I'd say like seventy fifth. That's too low. Fiftieth. That's closer. It's forty sixth. Okay. Which wow. puts it between the twenty fourteen Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. And Superman Returns. I like what you're doing in mocking the film. I appreciate it, but it's only been out for know. a short time. It feels like a very unfair comparison meant to just beat yeah. up on Todd Phillips. Would you like to know where it comes in among DC films? Uh, I'm going to go with Rich, somewhere in the middle. 14. Close. <laughs> <laughs> 62. Yeah. Yeah. 12. Oh. How many films are there? I don't remember. <laughs> so what's it sandwiched between? Um, it's sandwiched between Superman Returns and Batman Forever. It's keeping bad company yeah, right exactly. now. Wait, where's the, where's the Suicide Squad? I don't. Oh, it's it's below all of that. It, the only there's only oh. one DC extended universe film that it's above, which is Shazam. Oh, I forgot uh, Shazam didn't do very well. It did okay, but it didn't yeah. do fantastic. I mean, it did fine. I don't think it cost a lot. I like Shazam more, frankly, but you know, yeah. money doesn't equal quality in yeah. my mind. 
Yes. Well, I, I think the, well, the other thing with Joker, American. too, is that right, I, clearly, the, the budget for Joker <laughs> was a total of $55 million. So, yeah. I mean, it doesn't need to make a lot of money to be right. like a, a – it's already a massive financial success. I mean, right. it's made a little over $500 million worldwide. Like, wow. Holy smokes. It's As of October 13th, it was just shy of $200 million in the U.S. So. Can I just pick on the controversy thing that you raised a moment ago in terms of rankings? Yes. Explain to me the controversial aspect of this film. Um, it's not the film. It's There was a was bunch the, of stuff it was, around it. Was it was everything around the film. Because like, a lot of people... Oh, a lot of people were concerned that it was going to inspire incels, that they were going to identify with Joker. Well, also there was people but who were legit there, avoid that it was going to be active shooter situations but there, because but, of the movie. Right, so that's what makes it controversial. Yeah. But it has nothing but to do with the film itself. How does the movie do that in a way that literally 150 films made this year have haven't already done in terms of being hyper-violent and privileging kind of like the white male need to be seen and heard and shot by in this society. No, I 100% agree. My issue with the film is that it's not doing anything different except that it's Joker. It infuriates me that people are saying this is the problem when we live in a culture where this is the norm. Yeah. It just infuriates me that I... I guess it's because it's Joker or whatever. Yeah. But the truth of the matter is, like, focusing on it in that way is missing the whole point, which is what Americans do about violence all the flipping time. Right? We live in a society that is suffused with violence. There mm-hmm. is violence everywhere you turn in all of the pop culture well, you've that seen we the, watch. Well, uh, the Trump video that was shown at one of his rallies. Yes. Yeah. Right. Like where he's shooting all the different That's the scene members. From, it's the scene from Kingsman, if you, remember, if you right. saw Kingsman. I did not see Kingsman. I've. It's a he, basically a whole bunch of people go that. crazy in the church, including the the spy that's there, and he literally yeah. just kills them all. Right, right. And so, again, my point being, it just is so infuriating to me that we're going to focus. And I, I, I'm not defending Joker. Right. Like Joker's as much of the problem as any other movie that came out this week. Right. But like, why? Like, it's like, I can't imagine why we do this except it allows us to feel better about ourselves. If we if we kind of elevate ourselves above the violence in which we're drowning, we point at Joker, which mm. is just like one part of the Titanic going down and saying that's yeah. the problem. Where it just I I don't understand. Like the violence in this film was extreme in some ways in a few moments, but not in a way that's surprising in American cinema, no, or no, American no, no. culture, or American yeah. cartoons, no. No, they, I mean, it yeah. just, it, it, on a lot of levels, this film is not doing anything different than any number of films. Right. Which is the only thing that is is unique in it is that it's basically Joker. Right. Uh, I'm not defending the, the film different. in this yeah. way. Let me be clear. Yeah. Like, I'm not defending the film. It's part of the problem. It is, but but to focus on it as the problem misses the way yeah. in which it's one small em- emblem of a much mm-hmm. bigger problem in this culture. Yeah. I do have one nice thing to say if you're done with numbers. Um, sure. Okay. He's never done with numbers. I never think, truly. Do you have more numbers? Nothing important. No, go for it. <laughs> no, it's not important. Sorry. Uh-oh. Did I? No, it's just Rotten Tomato scores. Oh, like 69, 68 with critics, but 90 with audiences. Mm. Yeah, Americans are dumb. Dumb as a bucket of rocks. So It's at 90 with audiences? Yeah. Why? I don't know. Why? Like having watched there, – there is, again, save for the fact that the main character is Joker, 
there's nothing really unique to me in this film. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And well, the stuff that it tries to do that yeah. is unique. There's maybe one moment that kind of works. The rest of it, I find, is mostly superficial or stupid. So I feel like we're going to mostly be critical of the film. Yes. So I got – there was one thing that kind of stood out to me. Okay. In a positive way. Okay. And that's Joaquin Phoenix, who can act. Oh, yeah. He definitely can act. Like, he's he's an actor, and, and there's some brilliant moments in it. But by the end of it, I found it completely unbelievable. Like, who would ever believe that the poor and disadvantaged in America could be inspired by an overpainted, hyperviolent man-child? Mm-hmm. Doesn't feel like the world in which we live. Really? Because it feels a lot like the, well, because that was one of the things that I found that was totally that was, divorced from reality. That was because he's not wearing makeup. That was, is that that was the main moment at the end that I was like, huh? That might that's somewhat insightful. That, I don't know because when I think the moment that I'm like, was the only when, moment in the when theater the mob, I was like, hmm. when the mob elevates Joker. Yes. Who as, as the symbol of their movement? Right. After he has literally said. I am not political. I have no interest in what they are doing. Right. That they elevated someone as like their, you know, icon. Right. For their movement, which is a legitimate, you know, frustration and and right. inequality and disparity. Completely undermined by their clownishness. But yes. go on, yeah. But that they elevate someone who has no connection to them and no interest in them right. as their leader. Who after they elevate him just prances about on top of a car yeah. in a completely nonsensical way. Yeah. That was the one moment, and it was the only moment in two hours of mm-hmm. film where I said to myself, oh, like maybe there's something yeah. there. And that was the, but that didn't feel like the point of the film I, to me. See, that's the, that's the same thing. That's the moment yeah. that I felt like, oh, that's actually interesting. I don't know if that was intentional. Yeah. The other moment that I thought that it was very on a smaller scale. Yeah. That had some resonance with me is when after the scene after he shoots Murray Franklin. Yeah. And you go to like the video screens. Yeah. And the way in which that what just happened on the screen gets drowned out gets by lost all in the, the noise. noise. I was like. Yeah. That was a moment that was working for me, and then there was one thing. That ruined that entire scene for me. Was it the Energizer Bunny? Yes. <laughs> Do you know why? Have we ever watched a movie? This Has is, there ever been I'm anything not, that we've been where this we've much been this? like so? Firmly agreed yeah. from the start on. Why? Why? Do you know why the Energizer Bunny? I do not. The movie is set in 1981. Oh God! Energizer Bunny <laughs> came out in 1988. Why do you know that? Did you read that somewhere? No, no, no. When, the moment he showed up, I'm like, that is way How too early. How do you know that? Okay, number one, when Energizer Bunny popped up on the screen, I'm like, this is way too early. Okay, so then I looked it up. Not, it's not a thought I had. Yeah, not even remotely yeah. was and I like, Energizer, hey. I looked up and I'm like, Energizer <laughs> Bunny came out in 1988. Yeah. And that ruined the entire that entire moment for me. I'm like, well, that's... Yeah. I, I did not like the Energizer Bunny because I felt like he was beating me over the head with the Energizer Bunny. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah. no, I, th- those are the moments that I found... That, genuinely potentially insightful, particularly that last one, yeah. that I don't know was the intent yeah, and certainly does not seem to follow from the rest of the film. Right. To me, there was a moment where I'm like, oh, my God, like this is so emblematic. But I think it's emblematic in a way that Todd Phillips didn't intend. Yeah. Like based on like you 
as, or as you've he stumbled, said. Or he stumbled into at the end. He's like, oh, right. I could do this now. Because there's a lot of, I'm like, right. okay, so we're doing this now. I'm not sure that it right. leads. There's, there's a number yeah. of things that don't seem to lead A, anywhere or from what they were doing. Right. Classic DC film. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, but in a very different way from the rest of the DCEU. So I wanted I want to get started by giving you a fair or foul at the start. Oh, yeah, I've got some fair or foul. A little bit of a curveball I want to throw at you. This comes from Terry White okay. of Empire. Okay. Um, bold, devastating, and utterly beautiful. Todd Phillips and Joaquin Phoenix have not just reimagined oh, for God's sake. one of the most iconic. <laughs> you got to let me finish. Sorry. They have not just... Please finish as you can't even finish as you're laughing through your words. They have not just reimagined one of the most iconic villains in cinema history. Okay. But reimagined the comic book movie itself. Okay. I would like to say that I'm not sure... I'm not even going to say foul. I'm going to say that could not be fouler. Yeah. Did they see a different movie? Because number one, one of my... And it goes back to my point about this movie in terms of any number of things... This movie says nothing about Joker. So the idea that they are reinventing the Joker character. I don't know a ton about the Joker, but he didn't feel brand new to me. Because, again, it it feels like we imagine the killing joke backstory essentially he mentioned he used like the idea of him being a comedian he said was the only but thing i mean like but i mean the idea yeah, yeah i mean again it's very vague but the idea of him being a failed comedian yeah and like things bad happening to him like obviously yeah it's not the killing joke but like yeah. other than that that's the only real reimagining of the idea i mean that's so. the thing is so I, joker's not reimagined no it's joe it's you know except for the fact that he's just kind of a serial killer i'm like yeah okay you know yeah there's no, there's no like, if you think of Joker in in all of his various iterations, there's been like some twist to what he does. Like his crimes, right. oh, I mean, if you go back yeah. to, to um, Cesar Romero, like you know, there's always sort of the the right. the joke of his crimes. Right. This Joker's just a straight up serial killer. But what about the reimagined comic book movie itself? Um, if by reimagining you mean redoing like Taxi Driver and sticking a superhero in it. Or any of the darker superhero movies that have been done. Yeah, I mean, like, this is this is a review that feels like they've not watched a lot of. Su- like I would say, reimagining a superhero movie would be Logan. I th- I I, I don't yeah. know. This ways, is like well, a poor man's Logan. Yes, what I God we are felt really really on the same film. Well, I agree because we're at you know because one of the things that struck me in this film is it is so slavishly homaging homaging. Um, I don't know. It's it's a slavish homage. homage. I know how to say that. Um, To things like Taxi Driver, King of Comedy, Falling Man, what have you. Right. You know, Logan, I'm forgetting the director's name. He does have kind of a... You know, is that a, my snap? He, he does. He does Get like you know, particularly with Logan, he's very steeped in the Western genre. Yeah. And particularly Shane. Yes. Which at one point they're watching Shane and Logan. Right. But Logan does not feel like a regurgitation of Shane in the same ways that Joker is basically a regurgitation right. of all those movies. James Mangold. With just Joker in it. James Mangold. So I would go one step further. Logan also wants to really meditate on certain questions that are fairly profound questions. Mm. Yes. But picks one or two. Yes. And spends a movie exploring well, and, and them. largely focuses on kind of like the, the aging right. superheroes. Yes. Yeah, which is a, a fascinating kind of question to explore. Yeah. Todd Phillips, and I, I've got a list later. 
takes like 12 different issues, throws them up against the wall. Yeah. It just kind of watches them ooze down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would agree yeah. that they I you know. So you didn't find it bold, devastating or utterly beautiful. Um I mean, I, I guess cinematography wise. <laughs> I don't think in the same I don't think we I don't think that word means what they think it yeah. means. Um yeah. So I yeah, mean, I mean I, beautiful shots. So it, there is there is yes. some beautiful cinematography. Yeah. Yeah. So here's what I would say, like what I was really surprised by as I watched Joker in the theater was for most of the movie, the movie just left me cold. I didn't feel engaged. Yes. I didn't feel I didn't feel moved. No. By the film. No. Um if, well going back the old, going back to Joaquin Phoenix, who does do a good job in the role. Yeah. But unlike other things, like I really like Joaquin Phoenix and her. He's great in the Johnny Cash biopic, too. I was always aware in this film of Joaquin Phoenix acting. Interesting. I didn't feel that way. Yeah, I, I, so I, I finally I, got something to disagree Oh, there about. we go. Thank <laughs> God. Oh, I was worried. We're it's only worried half an hour in. So we can do some kind of hive mind. Sure, we can do like a solid 30 seconds on that before <laughs> yeah. we get back to trashing the film. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he did fine. I just don't think there was as much for him to work with as there could have been. That's the problem. I think you see him acting sometimes because he doesn't have much to work with yeah. in this film. Well, because yeah. obviously he's, I, don't, I mean, I don't know if they're planning on like, you know, doing sequels and stuff to it, but like they're clearly just retelling the origin story of the Joker. Yeah. For, they were, uh, I read something. But where it, was so, it was so empty. Yeah. In no, I agree with still, the, in terms like, of, because I very empty. much used very similar words in terms of for a good chunk of the first part of the film, yeah. it left me kind of cold and empty. Particularly, you know, it was doing, you know, the whole idea of, in particular, the white individual ignored yeah. by society, alienated from society, that alienation sort of represented by the city. It wasn't doing anything different. Like, it's something yeah. I've seen and read right. a whole bunch of times. Right. Again, the only difference is, like, this time it's it's someone that's going to become Joker. But when you say the city, and Rich talks about cinematography, it brings me to the other thing that I can say that I... It reminded me of The Boys a little bit. Mm. Give me a minute. Um, that the entertaining, like the entertainment value that came out of it, mm -hmm. was that it really leaned into gritty. Like, like we're gonna oh, do, yeah. we're gonna do like the gritty '70s, you know, yeah. New oh, York yo, City yeah. vibe. As much as it's kind of like The Boys leaned into absurdity. Yeah, it leans into gritty. Oh yeah, which, as much like, as it's set in 1981, so, it is clearly a 1970s yeah. visual aesthetic. Yeah. Right, and to me. If there was anything sort of good about the film, it was that part of the film. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think the, the oh, like so the visuals of yeah. the, yeah, the yeah, city. No, there, was, there are some moments and some, and some shots that I thought were very yeah, the, visually stunning. The trash strike and kind of like you could almost smell yeah the city as you looked at it. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, the film was like some of the worst police work I've ever seen. Oh yeah. I mean, those I, guys. To be those. fair, they are Gotham cops. Well, I actually, well, there's my notes. Actually, read. Do they take a page from the Gotham TV show? Because it's like, oh, that's how Harvey Bullock would totally investigate this case. Yeah, they're 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 not yeah. they're not. Yeah. But that's how those that's how those villains get away. Is like those are the cops. Mm. Without Batman, they have no. You know. Well, the other thing. <laughs> oh, I guess. But like when he suffocates his mother. Spoiler alert. Yeah. In the hospital, in her the, beep beep boo, like he. Nobody comes. Yeah. Like, I'm, like I'm, there's nobody in the hospital. No nurses. Like, yeah. 
Why do you hook people up to those yeah. machines? I'm pretty sure so that you can monitor yeah, them. I, I guess I don't have one of those, you know, code blue. I'm pretty sure. Why is Mrs. That, Flex like yeah. is her machine all <laughs> yeah, over the I'm place? Yeah, I'm pretty sure in every movie I have ever seen, when you suffocate someone like or someone dies in a hospital, yeah. there's a lot of alarms that go off, That's and right. someone usually comes. Yeah, it was just it was between. But again, the, it was the, the Gotham Hospital and yeah. the, the cops just doing like, like just a. But it was very nice of the cops to just leave voicemails and not, you know, stake out his apartment at any point. Well, to me, it was very contrived in a lot of ways. And one of the ways it was contrived was in allowing Arthur to get away with all of this so he could show up on the television. But it was also kind of like Heath Ledger's um, joke, where, like, he can just get out of prison. One of the things that uh, He's always going to escape. Lawrence Ware of the New York Times. I don't have the actual quote here. I have a different one. But one of the things he talked about was the way in which – Joaquin Arthur Fleck's ability to go free, basically, mm-hmm. and to do what he did is a sign of his. I think he uses the term white supremacy. You might also say white privilege. That I've, I've got a quote a, from Ware later, too. A black person in that role would never have gotten right. away with anything that Fleck did. Yeah, and yet it doesn't feel like, at all like that's the point of what's going on here. To me. No, it's it's what a love letter to From the Joker. Todd Phillips. Oh God, no, 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 no. Which gets me to my next fair file that I think will push us where you want to okay. go with the with you're going where you're going with Lawrence Ware mm-hmm. in the Times. Um, this comes from Glenn Kenny, which is a great name from RogerEbert.com. Okay, he writes: Do you think Todd Phillips really cares about income inequality, celebrity worship, and a lack of civility in contemporary society? I don't know him personally, but I bet he doesn't give a toss. He goes on to write, as social commentary, Joker is pernicious garbage. Yeah, I'd say that's mostly fair. See, but okay. I never even saw the movie I mean, that given was being that, social that, you know, commentary. Oh, it definitely wants to be social commentary. It I, wants oh. to be. That's different than yeah. it is. Right, fair okay. point. Okay, I, th- I didn't even see that as an attempt when I was watching the film. I was like, you know, he wants to delve into the Joker being this kind of heel villain, like we've you know you've seen a bunch of times. But he but so like quick list. Here's what I came up with: mental health, child abuse, poverty, the invisibility of the underclass, um, rich people are a holes, mm-hmm. and race probably unintentionally. <sighs> but like, but all of that's like he definitely. This is definitely a film about mental. Did health. Did you mention right? class struggle? Uh, poverty. Okay. In, invisibility of the underclass, like the one guy on the train that he shoots. Looks a lot like Donald Trump Jr. Oh yeah, they're basically eighties. All three Donald. They're all Donald yeah. Trump. Well, and, yeah. and and in the one way that Joker is sort of a a Trump at the end. Yeah. Thomas Wayne also is is in some ways a Trump. Yeah. Right. Um. Right. So, but again, so do you think this is pernicious garbage? Is social commentary fair or foul? Mostly fair. Mm-hmm. I don't know how pernicious it is because it's just kind of empty to me oh well maybe the emptiness is pernicious so could that be but yeah i mean in terms of phillips like this is a guy who you know in the run-up to joker and some of the interviews like a lot of people have asked like how does the dude that directed the three hangover movies yeah do joker and i'm sure you saw the quote that he's like you know well basically because of the cancel culture i can't do the kind of films i want to do the kind of comedies anymore that I used to do, so right. I'm I'm moving in this new direction. Yeah. So, which is always good to hear from directors. Like I basically have given up on this. I'm. I guess yeah. I'll. I guess I'll do. But that. it's also very much yeah. all about him, <laughs> right? And what he wants to do, right? Which makes me again, you know, like, yeah, this is this, again, this is a movie that is supposed to be kind of like his auteur work, 
Right. Um, but it feels like it somebody feels trying like to trying. do that work. And somebody who actually does not have – well, it feels like the director of the Hangover movies trying to do auteur work. By by in kind of copycatting what other people by have copycatting done. and by bringing up issues very superficially, and as a result yeah. of that superficiality, uh, and here I'm mainly talking about race, um, yeah. dealing with them in just such an incredibly flawed way. But because the other thing that drove me yeah. crazy about the first film, like we we're in the beginning of the film where it's all about like showing how Arthur Fleck is disaffected and, yeah. you know, anonymized and, and oppressed by the society. It's a Latino gang. It's his black social worker. It's black woman on the bus. It's his black girlfriend. And I'm like, well, please tell me that. Girlfriend. Not, yeah, I know. We'll get back to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm like, you're telling me that you are representing every single thing he feels oppressed by. Yeah by either Latino or African-American, and particularly black women. Well, there are rich white guys on the train, too. Yeah, which is where it swerves all of a sudden. I'm like, because yeah. he's clearly, but the moment, like, I'm sitting there, I'm like, so they're basically making Joker Bernie Getz. Well, that's my first thought on the train, too, is. And then I'm like, okay, but yeah. no, he's going to end up shooting but three white Bur- dudes. It's Bernie Getz shooting three white guys yeah. instead of But that's, that's another problem, because up until that moment, yeah. everything that, that's depicting him as, as kind of an yeah. outcast of society is done in, in racialized terms. Yeah. So that gets us to the Lawrence Ware quote, quote that um, Frederick Aldama, actually, I found it on Facebook. Yes, first. I believe that's how I found it. I'm, I, yeah. I'm a little concerned about what quote you have. Yeah, it's still what struck me most is what the film um, wants to say about mental illness or class divisions in American society is not as interesting as what it accidentally says about whiteness. Mm-hmm. For it is essentially a depiction of Damn what it. happens when white supremacy is left unchecked. It shows the delusions that many white men have about their roles in society. And the brutality. That can result when that place is denied. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. God, I'm, that's depressing. We're pretty right? much like, nailed it. Yeah. That's a really depressing, like, for all the stuff he wants to talk about, mental health and poverty, invisibility and yeah. anonymity. But again, he wants to talk stuff. about them, but not say anything about them. Like, I've seen well, a lot he, of things hailing the film for its, its depiction of mental illness. And I'm like... To yeah, me, Joker is mentally ill, but what is it saying about that? It, well, like, I guess if you're going to defend it, you would say it shows that the system let him down, that we don't take care of people. Yeah. But it does so to me in such a paint-by-number ways yeah. that it's meaningless. Yeah. Like there's no there's no subtlety or nuance. No. There's, at no point do I feel like the Joker is a real person struggling with mental illness. No, 100% right? agree. What, what, what he's struggling with is only meant to produce what comes at the end. Mm-hmm. And then we can pretend, we can pat ourselves on the back and say, God, if we were just better as a society, this stuff wouldn't happen. Yeah. But, you know, I, yeah, to me, I, I think Lawrence Ware is really on to yeah. something there. Well, considering that I have the exact same quote pretty much on my sheet, I'm probably yeah. going to go with fair. Unless you really disagree with it. No, no. Yeah. I hold this down uh, because I hate it. I mean, again, I think the only thing that – to and I, and I know this yeah. is 100% Ware's point, but to clarify yeah. again that that yes, idea please. that the film is about white supremacy left unchecked, yeah. that is not the intention of the film. Right. It is clearly what's going on in the film, but nothing that I think Phillips – recognizes right. as a as a director. Right. Right. Which makes it worse. Worse. Right? Like it takes a bad thing and it makes it worse. Yeah. In that he's not understanding what's happening here. Yeah. And in a way, like we need to talk about mental health and mental illness. Yes. Right? And self care 
in this society, <clears throat> this film doesn't seem likely to inspire a conversation no. that's much worth having. No, no. To me. Again, it's so paint by number. Mm-hmm. You know, the poverty is so expected. Yeah. Like, there's there's just, yeah, it's... Well, it's and paint stopped. by number in the fact that he's basically redoing things like Taxi Driver and King of Comedy and, and right. to a lesser extent, Falling Man. That, that Right, but, but even, I think, in its treatment of mental health, like, did anything about the Joker's background surprise you? No. As you get the reveals of what made the Joker the Joker? No. None of it does, right? Like, none of it, you're like, oh, like, that's a, that's... You know, unexpected. It was yeah. just, it was. Stock. I mean, I guess it was in that. Well, like, there was, there were some things that I found unexpected in the film. Yes. I mean, unexpectedly stupid. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. Like the whole, the movie is just such a complete waste of Zazzy Beats. Oh, it's 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 one of the reviews I read. Like she should, the, the Ebert review. I was like, she should talk to her agent next time before like, she. It's just like yeah. well, and the other thing too is, and it's one of the things that makes zero sense when you think about mm, it. Yeah. Because. When it's revealed that he's basically been fantasizing about, like, their relationship. But he can't be a white supremacist because he fantasizes about a black woman. No, there, there's that, too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, because that's— <laughs> Right, you know, like, yeah. like this is like his— Sure, it his feels sexual like, fantasy on a black woman, yeah, that's clearly equality. Right. Um, but there's the other thing, too— I mean, that's they, my point, right? The other the thing, too, is they go through and they show— And this is a moment where the film yeah. breaks down for me again because they show him, you know, with her at the newsstand, and you get the clip of him by himself. Yeah. You see him in the hospital where she's with him, and then you get the clip that he was actually by himself. Right. When he goes into her apartment and kisses her, yeah. what, what was he actually doing? Like yeah. he, did we he never just, see that. We never see that because it makes no sense. Can I, can I be if honest with you? If all the other things are stuff that he was actually yeah. doing and just imagined her, did he go into her apartment? Yeah. Can I just be honest and, with you? Um I don't think it matters. No, it doesn't matter. You could lift her out of this film, and it would change nothing. But to me, that like you said, there was a Martha moment for you. Yes, that's not the, it. The closest thing to a Martha moment for me was that when yeah. Todd Phillips like goes back and he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna show you these images again." Yeah. Right, and here's where you see him with the girl, yeah. and then here's the other image I showed you without. He's yeah. like, "Surprise!" Oh, I'm look. like, "Oh, it's it's it's." Is, is anybody in the theater? Surprised by oh, this? Oh God, no! The, like the, like, I think the moment he. I mean, I was he, surprised because I didn't think it mattered. Like you know, nah. like oh, whatever. The but, moment he yeah. like just walks into the apartment and starts kissing her, I'm like, well, that's clearly in his head. Right. No, that yeah. that that is a potential but, Martha moment. That is that, not look, the one. It's the reveal, like where he, you come back later in the film. And oh yeah, that, that montage of they're together. Oh, it's just him at the yeah. newsstand. They're together. Oh, it's just, did anybody think she was with him at the hospital? Yeah. It's just, to me, it was a moment where the director was like, look what I did. Yes. And I'm like, you told us you were doing that from the start. Yeah, like, no. there's, but also, like, there's no art. There's no surprise. Yeah. There's no smart. Well, And there's no point to that. I'm like, that. oh, so that shows that Joker is, is you know, mentally ill. Well, I hadn't figured that out from all the other ways that we're showing But also, like, he doesn't film. hallucinate anything else. But, but the point, it works for Lawrence Ware. In a way, I think, like because she exists only as this exotic fantasy. Oh yeah, right, which is supposed to be racially forward thinking, right. but is in fact the opposite. Well, and I think the way, it, and I think Ware went on film. to talk about this in the fact that both her and then the Arkham Asylum psychiatrist at the end that we're pretty sure Fleck kills. Yeah, yeah. Um, that their deaths are not important enough to show right. in, in any way. That, that, that the, the death of black women is not important enough to, to show. Like back in the 90s when DC killed off the new Dr. Midnight and the new Wildcat. Yeah. Both 
women of color. Yeah. And literally did it off panel. Yeah. Like two characters that they had introduced to like kind of multiculturalize the world. Yeah. Turn out to be so completely insignificant that when they die, they you don't even see their deaths. Yeah. No, that yeah. I agree with that. That is that is a Martha moment, but that was not the Martha moment. There's a me. bigger Martha moment than me because yes. that, that that felt to me like he's like, look how smart. Oh no, no, I no, am. no. Even there's another one. Yeah. What, you want to share that now, or are we sure, building? Yeah. To let, it? Let's talk okay. about it now because I've got a fairer or fouler for you on that one. Oh no, I hate when you start modifying it. It makes it very complicated in my brain. <laughs> so, yes. At the end of the film. Yes. In the middle of a riot. Yes. Thomas Wayne decides, hey, you know what we should do as a family? Oh, yeah. Let's go see Zorro <laughs> the Gay Blade. But I assume that they were there and then the riot but broke they, out. But they know, but, no. But, but even then, the riot's been going on. It, like, he's right. But they know it's going to happen. It's a bit. You're making Rich's point about how scary the city is. But no, but even when his friends come to the apartment, they're like, oh, you're going to that rally later today. Yeah. So everyone knows it's going to happen. And he's like the walking figurehead of everything they hate. And he's like, you know what? I really need to see Zorro the Gay Blade. With my Bruce family. And the reason it. why it's, yeah. a, it's, it's a Martha moment for me yeah. is because in the original comic, the movie that the Waynes go see is the original Zorro. Yeah. And so Phil's like, oh, it's 1981. Oh, they can go see Zorro the Gay Blade. I'm like, uh, yeah. And I'm just like, and then you get the whole thing of like, and I'm sitting there like, okay, so number one, we now have a Batman potential, a Bruce Wayne, yeah, who's not inspired by the death of Thomas Wayne, kind doctor and ph- philanthropist, right? But you know, kind of a jackass, you know, rich wealthy man, right? And also not one that's inspired by Zorro, but Zorro the Gay Blade, uh, like. See. We're going to get a very different Batman. Yeah. Although maybe Bruce Wayne or, or Thomas Wayne's not that bad because we only see him through the Joker's eyes. I but can guess. I say his security detail is the worst security oh, detail. Yeah. Does he have like, security? Also, the security not, detail, like, detail let him go see, hey, we're going to go see Zorro the Gay Blade downtown where they're yeah. rioting. That's cool, right? Oh, like you need to go to the bathroom in the middle of like Charlie Chaplin films or whatever? Like, we're not oh, going to go with you. Like, we'll let, we'll let yeah. like, strangers approach you. In the bathroom. Hey, yeah. like, like your kid. Yeah, like, so he, like nobody else notices. Like strangers oh, can come up to really your creepy dude and, and like stick his fingers in, in your kid's mouth yeah. and make also, him smile. There's this guy standing in the bathroom just staring at Thomas Wayne. Yeah. you know, using the urinal. No one else in the bathroom is like, well, this is strange. No, the other the other rich guy that's in there walks right past him as mm-hmm. if he doesn't even notice, which yeah. I guess might be invisibility. Oh, but so the, deep. That kind of invisibility doesn't exist in that kind of place. No. Like that guy looks and sees that guy. Yeah. Just sees him as nothing, but doesn't yeah. – there's not – he's not – Todd Phillips maybe doesn't realize this – isn't literally invisible. Yeah. Well, he's like also – Like it's a different kind of invisibility yeah. you should also, be exploring here. Yeah. That, you know, his invisibility in the city, he is yeah. highly visible in the posh bathroom made of marble. Yeah, yeah. Right. When like the his, dirty, his you know, clothes yeah. and whatnot. Right. Like, yeah. But he's like, yeah, no, he's invisible. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, no, he's yeah. highly visible in that spot. Yeah. Highly. Yeah, agree. So, so that was my Agreed. question is, is I'm, tr- I'm not sure. There's part of me that wants to say the moment with the Waynes and the way in which that we tie the death of the Waynes into the Joker riot. Yeah. Oh, and then that we have to have that. The, you know, the pearls. Oh, yeah. Well, like, like, there's a moment. I, you I, I, gotta I, have the pearls. I'm not sure if that moment isn't stupider than the Martha moment in Batman versus Superman. And yeah. that's my fairer or fouler. Is which one of those is fouler? 
like that's not fair. Like that's an unfair question. That's like like we're we're into such finely shaded nuances of Fowler. Mm-hmm. Martha was God so it was so direct and it was like that one singular moment that was so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And the whole movie turns on it. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like that one's still a little bit fouler, yeah, but they're both. They're both really stupid. Really stupid. Yeah. I just, I mean, I want to talk about the ending, mm-hmm. and maybe that's where we're headed. But first, just like the poor writing and plotting that drove me a little bit nuts, mm-hmm. like with the cops, for instance, but also the way in which he gets on the show with De Niro. Oh, yeah. And the way in which, you know, he gets on the, what's his name? Franklin Murray? Murray Franklin. Murray Franklin. He gets on the Franklin show, you know, in this backhanded way, and the cops are out to get him. and you, But, like, somehow he, like, passes all of these checks. And the guy's like, oh, you're wearing clown makeup? Come on on the show. Like, like you're clearly something, like, yeah. nothing quite. Like, Mark Barron, voice of reason. This yeah. is a bad idea. We should yeah. not have him on the, oh, yeah. that's fine. Yeah, it'll be good. Like, what could go? Horribly, horribly wrong. And then the interview, like, the guy sitting there like, I killed those three guys on the train. Yeah. There's not a button underneath his desk going, "Eh, security. Security. Franklin, like, immediately believes him in a way that he has to immediately believe him. That's the other thing, too. I'm like, do you have any reason to believe that he killed the three guys on the train? Right, exactly. And other people seem skeptical, but Mm -hmm. Murray is like, no. Like, he killed these. So how does does Murray Franklin know? Mm -hmm. Like, Like, how does he have such certainty? He has it only because he needs to ask certain questions mm-hmm. that will allow Joker to then give a speech about what yes. created him so that Todd Phillips clearly doesn't trust his own art. No. Right? Because, or he doesn't trust the audience. Because if you've made a film that does what you think it's doing, yeah. the speech is just ham-fisted and over-the-top and completely unnecessary. Yeah. The film either makes the argument for you or it doesn't. And mm-hmm. when you have to give the Joker – that podium at the end so that he can yeah. say, hey, dummies, hey, knuckleheads, yeah. this is what the movie was about. Like, to me, it's just like it's so de- it's so condescending mm-hmm. to the people watching the film. It was just it was just despicable, yeah. which is only the beginning of my complaints about the ending. Okay. Or should I say the endings mm. of this film? If you're going to end this film in any way satisfactorily – it should have been when he's in the police car being taken to the station. Which is an homage to uh, your favorite movie. What's my favorite movie? Dark Knight. When Heath Ledger. It's the oh, same oh, shot oh, of with Heath, Ledger. Heath Ledger with his, yeah. Um, I'm like, oh, another homage. Because you know what this yeah. movie needed? More homages. Yeah. It's not homage enough. It's not homage. It's the homagiest. It's, 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 it's super homage. could be no more homage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but to me, that, that might have been the ending. Mm-hmm. But then they have to get him out, and we've already talked about like the way the the crowd reacts to him, which is works, but only we both believe in unintended. Yeah, ways. just yeah, it just it makes it's it makes no sense. The murder of the Waynes is just ridiculous. Yes, tacked the, on the murder of the woman who's interviewing him then in Arkham. Yeah, ridiculous. And then the like Scooby Doo running back and forth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, like oh. Yeah. Apparently Arkham can afford one orderly to yes. chase Joker around. Well, I'm going to say again, boys say, reference, that's the point I made about the baby-making hospital that you rejected. What? I said they only had three armed oh, guards yeah. there, and you were like, ah, it's no big well, deal. Well, like, it's it's super, super secret. Well, Arkham's not – which, by the way, 
I will get, you know, when they give, like, the shot of, like, the Arkham building, yeah. like, that is the nicest version of Arkham yeah. that I have ever seen. It's white. Well, it looks all I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's ugly Very modern. I'm like, oh, that is yeah. a that is a nice-looking off. Yeah. When did it turn into a gothic Victorian building? Because yeah. right yeah. now it's, like, a super modernistic sort of thing. Yeah. Um, like, that is a nice Gotham. Um, yeah. Did you have something, Rich? No, I was saying I agree. It's like, I'm sure, like, you know, if they ever do a sequel or whatever... You know, it'll change overnight because of the riots. They're going to do a sequel? I don't know. They no. read something where they, they interviewed bad. Phillips and Joaquin Phoenix about that. And, and yeah. Phoenix said he'd be interested if they, if they, if they had something to say. Uh, that's funny. Yeah, um, okay. What brought him to this one? Yeah, Phillips has said that, that they never really envisioned it as a sequel. Yeah. Um, that it was meant to be kind of a one and done. But he, yeah. I think, I can't remember what he said, but he did kind of leave the door open. Well, just yeah. because of DC, the way you know the film's been going, if they have something that's remotely good... In terms of like you know box office numbers, well, it's and making money. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So it's like I don't see them just leaving this. But it's going to get so muddled because it's not part of the DC. But does DC care? Universe proper, right? That's my understanding. It's a standalone yeah. film. It's supposed so to. So we've got a new Batman film coming with the vampire guy. Oh yeah, with right? the vampire yeah. guy. Yeah, Pattinson, Robert Pattinson right? is. <laughs> yes, and apparently, um, uh, they just cast. Um, no, oh I know God. Going with this. Uh, Lenny Kravitz's daughter, Zoe. Zoe. Yeah, uh, Zoe Kravitz. Kravitz which I kind of like. I like. I like Zoe Kravitz as an actress. Yeah, um, yeah. So I kind of like her in that. I, I can see her in that. I role. can see that working, but they're gonna. So they're gonna be relaunching Batman for like what the fourth time. Like, uh, how, well, I, how do you, do you have? Does like, Ben Affleck's count? So there's Keaton. Yeah. Well, Keaton. Do you, do you is it a relaunch when they go Kilmer? It's, yeah. it's still kind of the same franchise, though, right? Like, it's still, like... Well, I mean... So you got, like, one A, B, and C. Well, I mean, yeah, it depends on what you want to look at. If you want to look at kind of eras of Batman... Let's do eras. Then you would have, yeah, you would have the starting Keaton, with Keaton, Kilmer, Clooney era, because so that's all sort of part of that. Right, so starting in the 90s. Yeah. So over the last 30 years, yeah. we've done that. Christian Bale. Yeah. Affleck. Affleck. Pattinson. Affleck. Yeah. So we're starting on our fourth. Yeah. Well, and depending fifth, if you throw in the animated series. Right. And then if you consider Clooney and Kilmer, you know. Well, those like, would be versions of Batman. Right. Then you would have, you know, or so, actors playing Batman. Yeah, I guess you, my point, but you also got to throw um, 60s in there. Right. So you've got a lot of Batman. Yeah. Just in the, in the last 30, 25 years, mm -hmm. you've got a substantial number of Batman universes. Yeah. And even more Batman. Mm-hmm. And now you've got the Joker floating around too. This DC's going to kill your peak superhero, mm -hmm. and one of the ways they're going to do it is by confusing audiences with all of these different universes that are now running contemporaneously. Yeah, but you know what they're eventually going to need? Nightwing, Crisis. Because well, exactly, but, but that's what's but coming. But this is exactly up, what so. happened in the comics: is that they introduced so many versions of the superheroes. Yeah that it just became logically inconsistent. And right. that's why they had to do Crisis, was to try to clean things up. Do you trust them to do Crisis on the big screen? Oh, God, no. <laughs> can you imagine what that looks like? No. And by the way, they can only do it with Batman, because they haven't made... Any, or, and Wonder Woman. And Wonder Woman. Aquaman. Well, they, had, they got, okay. you got the whole I Justice League there. I guess they made there. Aquaman stick, but... You got the Birds of Prey coming up. Yeah, yeah, I saw a trailer for that one. Yeah. We'll talk about that in the future. In, in yeah. Yeah. You got Suicide Squad coming back. Yeah, with some of the same actors, but you not would all think the same with actors. Gun running it, it would be better. Yeah, but then you also feel like there's just a stink to DC. 
I don't know because I. Uh, I mean, they I haven't had a lot of good luck. This was something I found on. Well, I don't. I wouldn't uh, call it luck. They just made bad films. I mean, yeah. Wonder Woman. Uh, this is on right. uh, Screen Crush. Oh, classic. Um, uh, kind of talking about. Uh, well, the title of the article is "How DC Found Its Groove by Doing the Opposite of Marvel." Oh boy. Uh, so basically, the idea that that. Um, which is what DC wants Marvel to believe. Marvel movies all kind of have a sameness, kind of have a sameness to them. That they're um, good. You know, <laughs> um, I, I don't even think that's. Two years later, things are vastly improved for Warner superheroes because, in many cases, they are now geared towards the opposite of Marvel movies. Uh, Marvel movies, charming and entertaining as they are, are widely known for their uniformity of style and tone. DC's latest efforts all look and feel completely different, from the hyper colorful <laughs> action of Aquaman to the grim Gotham streets of Joker. Where Marvel has yet to make a single movie about a villain, Warner Brothers has increasingly made villains their focus, first with Suicide Squad and Joker, then a Birds of Prey movie, and another Suicide Squad coming up next. But they're not good. Uh, that doesn't yeah. matter, apparently. <laughs> uh, I think that's it's a little diminishing of what Marvel's done. Yes. Um, None of these films are designed to set up future crossovers the way every Marvel movie leads directly into the next. Like a successful franchise? I've got two more for foul, fair or foul to run by you. You okay. want to hear one more? Sure. This is from Anne Hornaday at the Washington Post. Okay. A grim, shallow, distractingly derivative homage to 1950s, 1970s movies at their grittiest, Joker continues the dubious, darker is deeper tradition. Oh, that's fair on so many levels. 110%, right? Yeah. Like, not, yeah. Almost captures it perfectly. It there. does, yeah. Well, and again, it, it is, yeah, it's kind of, well, and again, yeah, I could see, you could see, that's a really interesting way to think of, of Todd Phillips and his Joker as the filmic equivalent of what everyone did in comics after Dark Knight Returns and Watchmen. Right. Yes. It's like, oh, yes. I'll make it gritty. Yeah. Because have you seen the SNL Oscar sketch? No. You've got to see it. It's, it's David Harbour, the sheriff from Stranger Things. Yeah. They do a gritty version of Oscar the Grouch. But it's all patterned after <laughs> Joker. Awesome. And it is yeah. one of the best things Saturday Night Live has ever done. You have, really? they, I, okay, we'll have to go check it out. You've got to watch the it. They Oscar nail the it on so many levels. Got it. The best part is is they have at the end, they have the, the usual like um, quotes from reviewers. Yeah. Variety asks, did we really need a gritty version of Oscar the Grouch? New York Times says, No. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is. It is so good, yeah, and hits on almost every yeah. level. You've no, got to watch it. But your your analogy too. But yeah, that's what yeah. everybody did after Watchmen. Yes, in the Dark Knight, right? Yes, like what everybody did in comics. Mm -hmm. Right. That's that's what this is on the screen. Yes. Yes. Without, Which just feels without empty. the grim and gr without the, the equivalent of I guess maybe the Dark Knight trilogy is the closest that we have to. Yeah. Like I'm trying to figure right. out, like, what is Joker inspired by in the same way that, that you know, yeah. grim and gritty comics were inspired after Watchmen and Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. Well, I think grim and gritty's just become a thing yeah. more broadly. Yeah. So, but... Uh, but, yeah, no, that, that, that could not be more fair of a quote. So, I want, my last one comes from the New York Times. Okay. A.O. Scott. Because um, this is kind of where you are headed. I think Todd Phillips' supervillain origin story starring Joaquin Phoenix is stirring up a, first de a fierce debate, mm. but it's not interesting enough to argue about. Yeah. 
he goes on, it's an empty, foggy exercise mm-hmm. in secondhand style and second-rate philosophizing. Yep. Still with him? Yeah, I'm still with him. Um, the hallmark of this Joker is a solemn witlessness. Mm. And the good, uh, the look and sound can uh, connote gravity and depth, but the movie is weightless and shallow. Yeah. It isn't any fun, and it can't be taken seriously. Mm. Is that the joke? Oh. It's not fun. You can't take it seriously. Mm. And therein is Todd Phillips' joke on all of us. Mm, yeah. I he's laughing was, his way to the bank right now. Yeah, it's saying, not an intentional joke. <laughs> exactly. He he's unintentionally funny. Yeah. Yes. So I've got one from John Hirschauer of the National Review. Hirschauer. All right. Quote. From the Review. Yes. Interesting. Natural. It was brazenly honest in its portrayal of Flex's mental illness. It was painful to watch Flex descent into insanity because of how biting and accurate it was. Foul. Flex world Foul. caves in on itself. Suffocated by what Chesterton calls, quote, reason in the void. A self-contained <gasps> world of paranoia and illogic. One whose internal tensions become manifest slowly and then at once. It's a portrayal that alone is worth the price of admission. I should say, I, Hirschauer is writing his response, his his review yeah. directly in response to where and other reviews that he yeah. saw trashing the film. Yeah. It, and it feels like... It is, and I think, given our conversation, I would be it would be dishonest for me to answer anything but foul. Mm-hmm. It's not; it doesn't feel like a deeply nuanced descent into madness. No, no. Um, it doesn't feel particularly well developed. Um, whatever does work is, I think, Phoenix's ability to transcend the material. Yeah, but even then, the descent. No, I don't. I don't particularly. Yeah, well, I don't particularly. Buy it. Well, what is the descent? He basically just starts killing people after he kills the three stockbrokers. Right. Which even that, I'm like, technically that started out as an act of self-defense because they were beating him up. Right, right. Um, I mean, obviously he savagely executes them, but I'm like, that's not even that, like, crazy a descent into madness. Right, yeah. Um, Right. I mean, obviously, part of the problem with the first half of the film is you understand that he has illness, like mental illness issues, but you don't know where they're from or what you know what like how severe they yeah. are like it's just it's just it, again it's so stock yeah. that it didn't well, and then there's the like whole, the descent into madness didn't i yeah. i didn't even really feel a descent, I didn't feel into, a descent madness. into madness well yeah. and then there's the whole just overly complicated backstory with his mom and the waynes yeah um you know like she she thinks he's you know the son of her and thomas yeah Ends up he's not, but he's adopted, but her ex-husband abused. Like, I'm just like, there are, there's just yeah. way more backstory there yeah. than this film can actually support and do anything with. Because it's trying to create a backstory for the mental illness. It is, but it's doing it in such an overdetermined way that there's it, just so much stuff if there was, that they pile on him as like this is what he's struggling with that that just feels so overdetermined if there was superficial ever a situation where you should use an academic word like overdetermined Mm -hmm. this is it Mm. you are 100 percent right i feel like in many ways this was a great show but we've agreed the whole time which is very weird it is very weird like normally like there are things that we can test with each other 
and except for a brief disagreement on which moment is stupider, which is which, which like is kind that, of not that much of a right, disagreement because we both agree they're both two. Oh, they're both really stupid, really stupid but moments. Also, I'm just like I'm you like, know, of all the films like Zorro the Gay Blade. <laughs> like I remember yeah. watching that on HBO, and I loved that film as a kid. And I'm like, I should not have loved that film. I did not watch it, so yeah, you know, it, it brings in Zorro's gay brother. Yeah, who wears multicolored Zorro suits, which is a very early '80s yeah. kind of movie. Which, you know, but, I, but I'm pretty sure we're gonna. So end you up like, like that and Soul Man? I'm just I'm putting together a psychological sketch of Let's you. Not now. Do that. Let's not do that. <laughs> but do you ever think about how that stuff shapes what you do now? Right, so I often imagine, mm. because you, like, you construct these narratives backwards. I remember the day when I was too sick to go to the comic book shop, and my brother went and he brought back mm. the Death of Thunderbird issue. I remember issue, you telling me this, yeah. Right? And it made me start reading X-Men. Yeah. And now I do historical research into race and ethnicity in the United States. And yeah. I think in some ways, like, my introduction to X-Men yeah. probably got me thinking, not knowing it, like, not consciously, mm-hmm. but helped to shape. Do you think... That my X Men would be your gay blade and soul man. Can we not refer to my gay blade? <laughs> That's mm-hmm. right. as my gay blade. Except your Zorro, the gay blade, and soul man. I don't that know. That your entire career is dedicated to those things and like Speedy Gonzalez. Okay. <laughs> but so I'm saying the culture you yeah. the can culture say, you grew up with. I'd like to point out now we're going to yeah. disagree because the narrative you created for yourself <laughs> is very different from the narrative you're creating for me. <laughs> but do you do you ever think? Do you ever consider, is it beyond the pale that, because I grew up in a culture like where all this stuff was being produced too, mm-hmm. that somehow like that's what got you moving in the, the, on the trajectory that got you to this, you know, august position behind a mic at even more mashed up and an associate professor of English at Misericordia University, soon to be proud owner of all new, all different. Yes. History of Race in the American Superhero. Yes, which, by the way, I'm pretty sure we used Overdetermined in that book as well. We did. Yeah. We did. Um, but that's an academic book. Here, yeah. less academic, still appropriate. Yeah, um, yeah I don't know. Uh, I'm lost. What are we talking about? Uh, we're talking about my origin story as a scholar. Exactly. Okay. Uh, oh, that would be a great podcast. Which would be a great podcast. We each write each other's no, and our no, own. Yeah. And our own to see like how accurate they are. Yes. Alan was inspired by... Oh, and Rich's. <laughs> Oh, Rich just wandered into the studio one day. <laughs> it's like it's like Kid Flash who walked into Barry Allen's. Do you think people lab ever and, listen to the show and, and they think Rich is just a character? <laughs> like we've written him just for. Oh yeah. You know? I'm here purely to be like we need someone to do this. So basically, hey, what you're saying you is, kid, is Rich, put, read yeah. these lines. So we tell you. Saying Rich yeah. is our Joker. Ew. Yeah. Yeah. That we've just sort of created this 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 character. But anyway, so I don't want to force you to talk yeah. about Soul Man and Zorro. At no, this I don't point, know. I mean, it, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, in terms of where I would sort of locate my, I sort of think of it more retrospectively. Yeah. In that, I remember the conversations I had, particularly with my dad, who would always complain about like, not complain. I mean, he always like he would take me to the comic book store. He took me to conventions. Yeah. But he, I always, he always would say the same thing when I would go to the store and I'd come back with a pile of stuff. And Dad's like, why do you have so many comics? I'm like, oh, you know, there's, there's this crossover. And Dad's like, oh, there's always a crossover. I'm like, no, 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 it's just this one. Yeah. And then and Dad's <laughs> like, there will always be another crossover. I'm yeah. like, you're ridiculous, Dad. Yeah. Um, I'm not buying it because it's a crossover. I'm buying it because it's good. <laughs> um, 
And so I think about what more kind of comic company would just make a bunch of useless crossovers? In the sense yeah. that what I am doing now yeah. justifies my 30 years of having collected comics. Got it. Um, Got it. In the sense that that the book is in a way kind of my answer to dad in terms of, see, dad, this is why it was a good thing. It mattered. Yeah. yeah. But but I'm thinking more about your career more broadly. Yeah. Like that you do Chicano literature of all things. Yeah. See, I think I think what got me, I think part of that is, I, that's largely due to Frederick, I would say. Okay. In that. But there must have been something in you when you met Frederick, right, that said – like this matters to me. Yeah. Well, I think. Yeah. Well, I think it, 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 the class that I took Sorry, with Rich. the class that I took with the first class I took with Frederick. Yeah. Reimagine the Metropolis class. Yeah. Number one was very much based in ideas of postmodernism. Yeah. So well, you're a postmodern. I remember, guy. like, we had to do like student presentations, and so I yeah. did a presentation that was on kind of the postmodern aspects of this text. Yeah. Which there were a whole bunch of students in the class that had no exposure to postmodernism. And so, like, one of the students asked, you know, can you explain what that was? And I kind of turned to Frederick, and Frederick was like, go ahead. Yeah. So I literally lectured for, like, 20 minutes on postmodernism. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing, too, is that I found in Frederick someone who thought about literature the same way I do. Got it. Okay. Um, so it's more about the thinking about literature. Yeah. I think that was, that was sort of what really got me okay. into it because that class was very much where whatever ideas I had about race and literature – and the frontier, because I was still working with the frontiers, like yeah. all kind of coalesced at once. Right, but there was something earlier. Yeah, like, and but, I think but, it was Soul Man very, and Zorro. But in a very amorphous way. Like Soul I, Man, yeah. Like and I Zorro. don't think I had anything Fair. pulled together. So there was that, and then there was the other class. The first class I took in graduate school at Arkansas was a class on American literary fictions, where we read Invisible Man, Kingston's Woman Warrior. Mm-hmm. DeLillo's White Noise. Um, That's a surprise. Um, and the book, the, the the theory book we used was Lawrence Hogue's Race, Modernity, and Postmodernity. Yeah. Um, so I think particularly in terms of my academic career, it's those two classes that were some five or six years apart. But now we've probably drifted a little bit, unfortunately. Yes. From, from, it has been an hour and ten minutes? No, it's been an hour. Oh, I'm counting the intro. Yeah, I'm not counting the intro. Okay. Yeah. So... so um, but yeah, back to Joker. Final thoughts on Joker? <laughs> um, Dumpster fire or trash fire? A fire kind of implies a certain heat to it that I just yeah. don't – it's just – it's very – To me – It's there. It's, it's very meh. Yeah. Meh is what I literally led with in my notes. Yeah. It's just like – Prior to you getting here, that is what I t- Rich and I were talking a little bit about. Yeah. And that's kind of what I said. I was like, it's yeah. very meh. Like I don't – it's not. The it's not worst. a terrible movie. No, but, but it's there's not nothing a movie good that about it. To yeah, me. Like, right. I don't, yes. I don't. It's not doing anything and significant. That's, that's the most tragic thing: is that it thinks it is, yeah. and it ought to be yeah. doing something that matters, well, doing like something talking, that's significant, at, but it at, just um, isn't. Luca's Boy Scout, or Cub Scout troop spaghetti dinner last night, and Dan yeah. was there, and Dan hasn't seen it yet, but we were talking yeah. about it. Um, and Dan, say, Dan said he was kind of curious to see what I thought because based on all of the reviews, he thought I would really like it yeah. because it seemed like it was a very kind of postmodern pastiche of like all these other films. Yeah. I'm like, yes, it is, but in a very sort of blank and empty way. It's, it's not postmodern. It's, it's plagiarism. Well, but I well, but, Do you know what I mean? That, but that's the thing. It, is, it yeah. is a postmodern pastiche that is – the term they would use is blank. Like, there's nothing to it beyond just making a pastiche of these films. Right. Um, 
I like the postmodern pastiche that actually is using it to say something. To say something, yeah. This is a postmodern pastiche that exists to be a pastiche. It really struggles to say anything. And I do, and because of that, I do, and and thinks that cobbling all of these things together in a very superficial way means, means something. something. And it yeah. just it just this movie wants to mean so badly. Yeah. That it just – you can just feel it. I'm like, oh, this right. film is so important in itself. Yeah, and the speech at the end and is a dead not. giveaway of how important it thinks yeah, it is. Like but it's, it's yeah. just an inability to execute. Yes. And then you've got people like Lawrence Ware maybe pointing out the ways in which the film does mean something. Yes. But not in a way that you would yeah, want to take ownership it, of. It's so self-important and self-significant about yeah. things that it does not have anything important or significant to say. Yeah. Wow, what that's is a... important or significant about this film, again, the where point, yeah. is happening, I think, implicitly and perhaps unintentionally. That is a fairly damning indictment. I don't know what else to say. Yeah. I feel like there's... that's where we're at. Yeah. Richie, anything else to add? And, you know, eh, I mean, I kind of liked line. it, but it was also for... <laughs> After an hour and ten minutes, Richie's like, <laughs> I kind of liked it. It was pretty good. Yeah. Well, on a very surface level thing, like, oh, look, it's another backstory of the Joker. That's kind of neat. Yeah. Like, and, uh, that, yeah, I, I, and that's sort of it. It's not looking at it as, but like. There's, there's so many superhero films now. Like, even that doesn't yeah. doesn't have, like, if if this had arrived in a vacuum, mm-hmm. maybe, like, I'd feel more like Rich was. Like, hey, it's another take on the Joker or whatever. But, like, there's so much of that going on yeah. now. I just feel well, like you got to do better. This, you know, in the same way. In the same way that it's not saying anything about any of the, the sociopolitical issues that we've raised. Yeah. It is also not saying anything about Joker or superheroes. Yeah. Like, it's a superhero film that's saying nothing about superheroes. But, it's a sociopolitical film that's not saying anything really sociopolitically. Right. I thought you could read Logan as not very much about superheroes. Like, the best parts of Logan weren't about superheroes. It yes. was about um, aging Yes. more generally. Um, but yeah, I, I generally agree with your point. Like it just, yeah, no, it's I, not. I, I, there's I, no there there. Again, and yeah, and in the same way, we, you know, that we were both like I immediately the, the immediate comparison I made of this film was to Logan. Yeah. Um, that, to, to its detriment. That to yeah, that Joker's Logan detriment. faced some of the same potential pitfalls. Yeah. And Mangold seems to have largely avoided them. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, the the fight with Logan versus his young self is is a little agreed, a little over the top. Yeah, um, but not in the same way that that his battle with the Silver Samurai in Wolverine yeah. was, which is also so, by Mangle. So we would say, in summary, if you want to watch a new take on a superhero film, if you want to watch somebody do something really oh, different and Logan. interesting, go watch Logan. Yeah. And again, it's kind of now that I think about it, the idea that DC is trying to do something different than Marvel with Joker, yeah, is completely wrong because this is trying to do Logan. Yeah, I I, I completely uh, agree. Like this is this is the DCEU's Logan, and yeah. just like everything else in the DCEU, it kind of pales in comparison. It's a pale imitation. 